The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome into the program for a Wednesday. I'm back from Columbia, South Carolina, after Kentucky defeats the Gamecocks 86-76. 20 wins on the season for Kentucky, 20-4, 9-2 in the league, and just one game off the lead after Auburn was defeated last night out at Arkansas. We will talk a lot of Kentucky basketball today. Chris Fisher from the Cats Paws will join us, and Kyle Tucker from the Athletic Com. Glad you are with us today as we get into our Wildcat news of the day. It is a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. Uh, roadkill is a, a phrase that the Kentucky players have latched onto when they go into these tough road environments. Although last night wasn't uh, anything like what uh, they have seen at some other places. Uh, there were a lot of Kentucky fans in the building. Uh, you could hear the Go Big Blue at times. But the South Carolina fans that were there... About two-thirds of them taking up the uh, seats in the lower bowl, not many people in the top. Uh, they got loud when their team made a run in the second half to get to within uh, to get tied at 43-all after Kentucky had led by 11 late in the first half. But at that point, Kentucky went on a 7-0 run to regain control and never gave it up after that point. Um, I thought Ty Ty Washington was, was crucial in that stretch because South Carolina – was getting was very physical defensively, especially as as the game wore on. Actually, at the start, it was a very much up and down game, more so than expected. And uh, Kentucky was able to, as I said, open up a, a double digit lead. But then in the second half, it settled into more the kind of game you expected. South Carolina's physical, extending their defense, and the best guy to put the ball on the floor and create a shot in the, that kind of situation is Ty Ty Washington who sat for a big chunk of the first half with two fouls, and he started doing his thing. Now, he ends up with 14 points, which is only the third leading score, but they came at, at huge times in that 7-0 run. I think he had um, five of the points and assisted on another on a lob to Brooks. He had a, a crucial three later on to help uh, push the lead back out. So I thought Ty Ty's uh, buckets uh, were at crucial times for Kentucky Last night, uh, Oscar Shebway got into some first-half foul trouble, had six points and two rebounds at halftime, but finished with 18 and 14. That's uh, 18 double-doubles now on the season for Oscar, and it is his 11th consecutive game with double-figure rebounds. Uh, the last guy to have more than that was Dan Issel, but you have to go back to 1970. Uh, Issel did it uh, back-to-back years, actually. 12 uh, in a row with double-figure rebounds. So Oscar will try to match that record on Saturday against Florida. Um, Like I said, uh, I think I got the double-doubles right. 18 of those, 29 now for his career. And uh, Keon Brooks becoming very consistent, 15 points, 9 rebounds. Uh, Mike Pratt said on the broadcast last night something he said before, that at the beginning of the season, 
he kind of penciled in, in in his mind looking at this team that he could count on 14 points and seven rebounds from Keon. Well, that's about what you're getting right now. 15 and nine last night, so he exceeded that, and he's just uh, playing very much within himself, taking the the shots that come to him, not forcing anything. Uh, he's hitting. He seems to have a knack for hitting buckets at a time when his team really needs them. Uh, and he did that again last night. Kentucky shot over 60% from the field in the second half of that game to hold South Carolina at bay on a night when the Gamecocks forced 16 turnovers, which is about their average. And also they had 22 offensive rebounds. So second chance points and points off turnovers were how South Carolina stayed in the game. But to Kentucky's credit in the second half, those stats were much better for Kentucky than they were in the first half. Um, But still, South Carolina hurt them with the rebounding. Um, Calipari liked that his team won a close game. It ends up being a 10-point spread, but it was a game where they had to execute down the stretch to, to keep South Carolina at bay. And he uh, liked seeing how his team was able to do that with an eye toward March. Um, like to see him get Xavier Wheeler going with his offensive game. He is tremendous at pushing the pace for this team. Crucial to doing that. Nobody does that like him. His uh, ball pressure on the opposing point guard is important to wearing that individual down. Uh, but in the last four games, Wheeler's two for 20 from the field. The thing is, he's a 48%, and most of those are two-point shots, almost all of them. He's a career 48% two-point shooter. So uh, what you're seeing right now is not who he is. I know, uh, like Notre Dame backed off of him, people will start to do that again if he uh, doesn't start you know, making them pay for uh, the way they defend him. And so he's, he will do it. I think it will happen. He's, uh, as I said, a 48% two-point shooter for his career. So he will get it back, but... Uh, sooner rather than later, hopefully. Jacob Toppin went down with an ankle injury. Um, I think it was late in the first half after scoring six straight points for uh, Kentucky to push the lead back to 11 after South Carolina had made a bit of a run. And Jacob was uh, really, really good. Um, Again, six straight points at one stretch, but then he went up for a rebound. I'm guessing landed on somebody's foot and uh, rolled an ankle, so it's just going to be a matter of is it a you know a twisted ankle, slightly sprained ankle, is it something more like a high ankle sprain? And the thing with those, uh, everybody obviously always wants the the definitive answer. Uh, I remember this from football with uh, ankle sprains. The the thing you're most concerned about is it a high ankle sprain, which takes longer to recover from. But the thing is, I think it's 48 hours that it takes to determine how severe the ankle sprain is. After a little time that cools down, then you can determine uh, the severity of the sprain. And there's <laughs> that timetable is what it is. It's uh, it's uh, you know medicine. It's going to be uh, how long it takes. And so it'll be, you know, probably a couple days before they have a good handle on that. Uh, And uh, one other uh, note, last night, North Laurel beat Pulaski County 82-54 to in one of the marquee high school matchups of the season because Pulaski County was previously undefeated. And future Wildcat Reed Shepard had 29 to lead North Laurel uh, to that win. So we're not too far away from getting to the boys and girls Sweet 16s, and I always love those great atmospheres. This place was, you know, packed down at Pulaski County 
uh, hours before tip-off. Uh, and uh, great, one of those great Kentucky high school basketball atmospheres. Going to get to a break. Chris Fisher will join us when we come right back. Kyle Tucker as well. Coming to you from the Clark Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington. Wildcat News of the Day, a service of Giuseppe's. Giuseppe's has live jazz music every night of the week to accompany your meal. Makes it just a real dining experience. I'm guessing they're already booked up for Valentine's Day, but you can check. But if so, just think about Giuseppe's for the next special occasion and get booked early for an anniversary, a birthday, whatever it might be. There is nothing like the experience and the food at Giuseppe's. We'll be right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. 18 past the top of the hour. It is the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, as we welcome Chris Fisher to the program from catspaws.com. This was a game, Chris, where Kentucky had... uh, Several things you can look at the stat sheet and uh, wince a little bit about with the turnovers, with the the rebounding, particularly how many offensive rebounds South Carolina had. But uh, you are going to have games in the postseason if you make a deep run where you run into a team that you have difficulty handling for whatever reason, and can you do enough to get out with the win? And uh, Kentucky did that with some excellent offensive execution in the second half. Yeah, never a dull moment when Kentucky goes down to Columbia. It's always something when when they go down there. But, yeah, last night South Carolina has 22 more shot attempts, 22 offensive rebounds. They score 23 points off 16 U.K. turnovers. They did basically everything they needed to do that would have been in their game plan and still lost by – double digits and I think that's a testament to the number of ways this Kentucky team can beat you I was really impressed with the way they responded in the second half uh, when they came back to tie it it feels like this team really enjoys and embraces playing on the road and that's the mentality that you have to have and it doesn't hurt that they have veteran guys that have experienced those types of environments but uh, it feels like teams are are kind of workshopping ways to beat Kentucky and I think one of those is you know, trying to, to beat them up physically and, and, and foul them and, you know, jostle them around. And, uh, I think South Carolina was the third straight team to out rebound Kentucky. And I think third in the last five games and all of those teams have still lost. And so, uh, again, it, it's a testament to the versatility of, uh, of this team and then the number of ways that they, they have to beat you, putting six guys in double figures and, you know, I think six different guys have scored, you know, 20 or more points in the game this season. And so it's, it's difficult to game plan for that type of balance because there really isn't one guy that you can key on and say, all right, if we, you know, remove this guy from the action that we have, then we have a, a good chance of winning this game. And so, um, that was on display again last night. Kentucky, um, Last week faced a very physical game against Vanderbilt, more so than I think was expected. And it was expected last night, to, uh, and it, it wasn't that way early, but it, it became that kind of game. But uh, I thought for Kentucky, um, part of the reason I mean, teams normally get to the line a lot against South Carolina. They've, they've averaged 20 fouls a game. But I didn't think till about the, I don't know, seven, eight minutes into the second half, Kentucky really wasn't being aggressive enough offensively to get a lot of foul calls. 
and then um, it, they started to really push back. And you know, I think that's the, the thing. I'm sure Calipari likes the fact the players don't like the way these those two games were were played. But I'm sure Calipari does because um, the more you you see it and, and feel it, probably more importantly as a player, you do start to get used to it. And there, you know, in the last maybe 12 minutes of that game, Kentucky uh, really pushed back and. Uh, you know, took it strong to the basket, got some uh, shots at the line, got some. You know, did a better job on the boards, and uh, it, they was gonna, they were gonna have to do that to get that win. Yeah, you mentioned you know the NCAA tournament, and it's going to take all types of ways to win game to win six straight games and and win an NCAA title. You're not just going to go out and boat race everybody. That's just not how it works. And, you know, styles make fights, and there's going to be different types of games and uh, in, in the NCAA tournament. And, and you're right. I'm sure John Calipari is loving uh, what he's seen out of his team over the last couple of games and, you know, encouraging guys to, to play through bumps. I heard him say that uh, last night. And I think that's another luxury that this Kentucky team has and something that's going to come in very handy in March is the dual point guards with Severe Wheeler and, and Ty Ty Washington. You saw Severe Wheeler has been struggling, you know, with his shot. I think he's missed, you know, 19 straight field goal attempts or, or something like that going back to the Kansas game. But, you know, struggled last night at times also with the turnovers and you know it's it's such a luxury for John Calipari to be able to move Ty Ty Washington into that spot and we saw him especially in the second half operating out of that pick and roll he's just so dangerous because it seems like he always makes the right play whether it's coming off and and, and shooting that mid-range jumper whether it's finding somebody on the roll to the basket um, really, really effective in those situations. And I think that really bodes well for his NBA draft stock because he can play on the ball, he can play off the ball, uh, and that's, you know, just such a, a valuable commodity in the, in, in the, uh, NBA these days. And so, um, I would expect his stock to continue going up and up. And Severe Wheeler, you know, I, I would guess in, in the tournament that Teams are going to try to just completely ignore him and make Kentucky play four on five, but they've also shown an ability to, uh, you know, to be effective when he's not making shots. And so um, I think that, again, I think that bodes well for, for Kentucky going forward. Uh, well, uh, a couple of things. I think you make an excellent point about Ty Ty um, that I think with Wheeler. He's in his third year, and for his career, he's a 48% two-point shooter. So I am confident he will start making shots again. And um, that, But it, it can be a problem if it doesn't happen, but I'm, I'm confident that it will. But he is so instrumental in um, you know, the, pushing the pace because Kentucky is like a pressing team, I've, I've come to, to feel, except they're pressing you with their offense. And he is the key to doing that. I mean, when they get the ball, he is just a rocket weaving. He's like, you know, Barry Sanders running through the defense up the court. And that is a key part of who this team is. Yeah, they remind me a lot of some of Roy Williams' teams at North Carolina, where even off of a made basket, they can really run it up your backside and get down the court really, really quickly, especially when you have a big like Oscar Sheeway who can run the floor as well as he does and is as committed to running the floor uh, as he is. And, yeah, we've seen, uh, you know, you you look at the Kansas game when Ty Ty Washington didn't have his offense working, still had a huge effect 
on the game. I think he had, you know, five rebounds and or three rebounds, five assists, two steals, and uh, even though he didn't shoot the ball well, really affected the outcome of that game. And I think we saw some of that with Severe Wheeler last night, 11 assists and, you know, some, some rebounds and a, a rough and tumble game. And so he can still affect the game even when he's not, you know, making shots, and, and we've seen that play out over the course of the season. About 25 after the top of the hour, we'll take a quick break, come back one more segment with Chris Fisher from the Cats Paws, Kyle Tucker from The Athletic, coming up in the second half of the show. It is the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs in Hamburg and in Palomar here in Lexington. And go to wildeggs.com to make a reservation or get get on the online waiting list so it speeds up the process when you arrive and you can get seated and start enjoying your breakfast, brunch, or lunch at Wild Eggs. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Chris Fisher is with us from catspaws.com and at ChrisFisher247 on Twitter. Kentucky launched a Player of the Year campaign for Oscar Shibway yesterday. That was really well done. It uh, coincided with the, the Oscar nominations that came out, and it uh, the I think the title of it is Oscar Worthy. And, uh, I, you know, last night, even uh, when he had a little sub, bit of a subpar effort in the first half, he finishes with 18 and 14. He is uh, a, a really machine-like in the way he's putting up his, these numbers, Chris. I think he'll be a very strong contender for Player of the Year honors. Yeah, he really is. And we're, I feel like we're running out of superlatives to describe him at this point. He looked very, you know, mortal there in the first half at six points and, two rebounds and you know it, it was very odd seeing him kind of get beat to balls you know, Keyshawn Bryant did a yes. really really good job last night played with a lot of intensity and a lot of energy and was able to you know tip some of those away but then you know he comes back in the second half and gets 12 and 12 to finish with 18 and 14 and it's 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 you know it's tough when you grab 14 rebounds and your average goes down. I mean, that speaks to uh, his productivity uh, this season. But given Kentucky's, you know, success and, you know, really pushing for a number one seed late in the year, if Oscar Sheway isn't the national player of the year at this point, then I don't know who is. I, there are, you know, other guys that are having really good years. Jaden Ivey, you know, for Purdue had a huge night last night. And there are some uh, what the other team is giving – uh, Kentucky has opened something up for them. I think Cal has is developing a really good feel for when to deploy his different you know weapons. Um, you know, he's tapping different guys on the shoulder like he did. Um, you know, Damian Collins the other night. I think he knew last night in the game where they're trying to beat you down, beat you up, and beat you down. What wasn't going to be Damian's night, but uh, in in the game over the weekend it was. Um, you know. I think that's a huge deal, just overall for the team. You know, having the feel for when when your moment is to okay, it's your turn. You know, you you got to go give us something. And yeah, I think Keon has really settled into that. And and you know, I also maybe just embrace the fact that he can, he is, and can be a leader now on this team. Collins could be important here in the in the short run. If Toppin has to miss a, a game or two, um, we'll see. 
you know how it turns out with his ankle. Maybe he's, you know, he'll get the best of treatments, so maybe he can get back on Saturday. But if not, uh, just looking at Florida, they they don't have a, a lot of real physical guys. Castleton's two forty. Most of the rest of their guys are, uh, you know, one eighty five to two hundred five kind of range in terms of weight. So I think that's a, you know, potentially a game where. Uh, Collins might be able to slide over. He did it for a few minutes last night and played the four and uh, might need to do something like that, him him, or, or where at some point, uh, to give Keon a, a little bit of a break. Yeah, and to quote Cal, how about Lance? He, he uh, <laughs> Lance Ware gave him, again, gave him just a little, just a, a few, you know, important good minutes, made some plays for him again. But um, about Collins and Toppin's injury, it really is interesting how, on the one hand, like you go, you know, they probably beat Auburn, they probably beat LSU, if not for the injury, uh, the injuries they had. But also, you know, Wheeler, what happened to Wheeler kind of opened the door for Ty Ty to, you know, have a bigger and a different role and be forced into leading more so that you could see that he could do it, so he could see he could do it, um, so that the team could kind of rally around him and give him some confidence that, yeah, you can be that guy. And I think that, that, little window of time will will ultimately serve Kentucky well and and it could be the case again you know if if Collins coming off that Alabama game now gets to build on that for a couple more games if if Jacob Toppin isn't in there um I definitely think it could be huge for them because you just it's just so rare uh it's so rare that you would have someone like Damian Collins sort of stashed away on your bench I mean when you talk about deep um, how deep is Kentucky? Um, that is a remarkable thing to me. That that you know you've been playing so well, and you've got enough guys playing so well that you just you don't even need to experiment with what can Damian Collins do. But the question remains: like, what could he do? You know, what can he be? Because in the in the moments, in the big moments we've seen from him, where he's really flashed what he's got, you realize he's got something that nobody else does have on that roster and if he could give it to you a little bit consistently and in you know 10 minutes a night i think he he elevates them even further it's it's a little bit scary and and then you know the whole shade and sharp thing they they even they also even have the luxury of stashing a guy like that who might be the number one pick um i mean this team is is really deep they don't need shade and sharp i should say that i mean they just don't and so it makes a lot of sense that he's staying uh put on the bench but it it speaks to to what they've got in terms of weapons we are talking with kyle tucker from the athletic.com and it's about a quarter away from the top of the hour we'll get to a break come right back it is the leach report served up by wild eggs of lexington Get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Back with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Getting into the home stretch of the basketball season, so there will be a lot of great content in The Athletic as we get into March Madness from Kyle Tucker and the rest of the team there. So, Good time to subscribe if you have not already done so, or you need a birthday gift for somebody that's hard to buy for that is a big sports fan. A lot of uh, fantastic Super Bowl content there as well. Who are you liking the Super Bowl, Kyle? Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to go with my my heart over my head. I think I mean I think it's, I think Rams, but uh, but I will be uh, I'll be pulling for the Bengals because I think that'd be an incredible story. Uh, I'm not a Bengals fan. I'm not really an anybody fan, but I. Uh, 
I would love to see history, you know, for them. And, and it's been cool to watch. I, I saw a video. I think the, the Cincinnati Enquirer put together uh, just a collection of all the Bengal fan celebrations as they as they you know ended that game and knew they were going to the Super Bowl. Long suffering Bengals fans, and it was pretty awesome to see. And it's it is certainly the best part of sports. Just just uh, seeing what stuff like that means and those moments. People talking about you know going to games for years with their dad or their mom or their you know brother or whoever their son um, and watching them stink and now celebrating them going to the Super Bowl is pretty cool. Yeah, it's that is an uh, excellent, excellent point. And a uh, little love for Liam Cohen and uh, Brad White from some of the the coaches involved. Uh, just kind of increases the buzz for Kentucky football and their uh, you know pathway to the NFL kind of pitch with their uh, what they're doing on both sides of the ball. Uh, a little like Kentucky basketball has been doing for some time. Yeah, and I think you know I, I think their coordinators are universally uh, well thought of. And I would say maybe the best coordinator duo Kentucky's had in, you know, certainly in the decade I've been uh, covering them, and, and I think probably a lot longer than that. So uh, Stoops has put together an incredible staff. When you think about two coordinators like that, you know, they've had several really good position coaches, and, you you know, as good of a recruiter, recruiting coordinator as you could ever have in, in Vince Merrow, that is, a, that is an unbelievable staff, and, and they've got a really – Super talented roster. You got your quarterback back. There's there's every reason to think that Kentucky's going to be terrific next year. You mentioned uh, Shaden Sharp earlier, and Cal uh, got some questions about him last night because he had made the definitive statement that Clark's or that uh, Sharp's not going to play this year. Um, what's what's your read on the uh, the situation as far as you know? Fans, there's some element of fans that always want to be like the the weather guy who can't wait to predict the storm and then tell you he was right uh, or right. she was right. And if they're wrong, nobody ever remembers it because everybody was predicting the same thing. Um, and, and there's part of me that's really rooting for this kid to come back just for somebody to do it once and, you know, turn down the 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 short-term dollars for the, the thought of actually developing your game to where you can stay and star in the NBA for a long time. And I think there's an element of that that sometimes is, is not fully appreciated. And I, I'm rooting for somebody to finally do it. Yeah, I mean, to a lesser degree. But 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 what was done, I mean, Hamadou Diallo did it. He, this, he obviously wasn't projected to go as high. But when he was after his sit-out, semester and everyone did the same thing he's going to sit out he's going to use our facilities he's going to use us and we'll never get anything out of him he'll go pro why why is he just sitting and that was on a team that was you know one shot from going to the final four um and then he came back but he was projected after that sit out semester to go in the first round like he very likely based on you know raw talent alone as a top 10 recruit and a freaky athlete was probably going to get taken in the first round, and he came back. So he passed up first-round money and guaranteed money. Um, it's not the same as passing up lottery money and you know probably top-10 money, which Sharp is probably going to have on the table. But, yeah, I mean, to see one of these top, top, top-end guys do it, I think would be really interesting. And, and as far as my take on it, I, I think um, the family, everyone around Shaden, Shaden himself, and Cal and Kentucky 
are serious about the idea that that he he came early to get a head start so that he could feel comfortable and be ready to be awesome from day one to look his best from day one and to lead a group that he really wants to play with next year you know Casey Wallace and Chris Livingston and Sky Clark those are guys that he knows and he wants to play with he he chose to play with them you know as a group uh, and and whoever comes back from this year's team will already have a great relationship with him. Those guys seem to really like and respect him. I, I think it's serious. I mean, Cal last night saying, you know, look, I, I'm trying to think, has Cal ever, before a guy played a game, has he ever declared he's the number one pick? I don't think so. Uh, it's a pretty bold statement. I think, one, it says what Cal thinks of the kid, and two, it says how much Cal wants to put that message out there for him Hey, I can make you the number one pick, not just the top, you know, 10 pick, top five pick even, but I can make you the number one pick. And there, you know, there's some appeal to that, obviously. Um, and, and it was hilarious is, you know, how do I know? Cause I've had four of them, uh, <laughs> was, was made for great video. Uh, but also what he said in there was that I think was more important. He had a line about, you know, the NBA is a man's league and going through the gauntlet at Kentucky gets you ready for that. And they said, he said his family knows it and he knows it and that he's mentioned that. I, I get that sense that, you know, Shaden's 18. He's not an old, you know, reclassified freshman. He's, he's an 18 year old. He's very quiet. He's fairly shy. Um, you know, you can get swallowed up in the NBA. You gotta, you gotta find your voice. You gotta get comfortable. Uh, you know, you got to acclimate. If, if you haven't even acclimated to college yet, and then you just jump right into the NBA, their whole thing is, is as you said, about you know hitting the ground running when you get to the NBA, about thriving there and staying there for a long time, not just getting, not just saying I was the number six pick in the draft, and and that's awesome. Like he doesn't want to just get drafted high; he wants to be a star and he wants to stay for a long time. And and you got to be ready because you, you know, only you know. <laughs> The NBA can chew you up and spit you out so fast um, that I I do think that's a real consideration. And and I'm not saying like he's a lock to come back. He's definitely coming back. I'm just saying he's he and the people around him are serious about it. And Cal and the people at Kentucky seriously believe that he is genuine uh, in his desire to do that. And so that's all I can tell you. Uh, yeah, I can't make any predictions on the future, but I just feel like it's a serious thing. And, and people who dismiss it out of hand, there's a lot of them. There's so many that reply to me on Twitter. Anytime I post anything about Shane Sharp, just dismiss out of hand that it's really possible. I think that's foolish. I think it is really possible that he comes back and plays for Kentucky. Kyle Tucker, thank you much. Thank you. Close out this edition of the Leach Report. We'll come right back. Mellow Mushroom Slice of Wildcat History. It's a birthday today. Winston Bennett, happy birthday to former Kentucky star and one-time assistant coach as well on the uh, national championship team in 96. That'll do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report with Mike Pratt, Justin Rowland, and Jacob Tammy. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question.